Future Brett, please scratch that. Can do. Thank you, Fast Brett. Welcome to Active Discourse, the Technology Roundtable podcast. I am Bo, the steam-powered mechanical keyboard co-anchor. And I am Brett, the magic keyboard co-anchor. We'll battle over, you know, who's magic versus steam power. Right. Age-old, ancient. Which is best, the key travel distance debate wages on. (laughs) It's inevitable. (laughs) (laughs) At least we know that half a millimeter is bad. At least we know that conclusively now. Okay. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) So anyway. Yes. We'll leave that battle for another day. We're back to active discourse, and here we are. As we closed out our last show, which was minutes ago for us, and uh, Einstein's relativity tells us that that's probably more like a week for you, listener. Probably um, no commitments right now, but probably yeah. So we let you know that uh, we were going to split up our recording session because we were starting to run up on on time. Uh, so we split it up, and we're here to start a new show and. As always, we're going to start it with follow-up because, shockingly, Brett, we do have follow-up from our last episode minutes ago. What? Crazy. <laughs> yes, we were uh, about to get real, get set up with uh, the new show, the new episode, the new topic that we were about to talk about here, and Bo just dropped on me this, uh, this news bomb to me. I'm like, we got to talk about that. So let's talk about it. What do you got? The Galaxy Tab S6 Lite was just revealed by Samsung. Ooh. And as podcasters that had previously done two, not one, but two episodes on the Galaxy Tab S6, we thought we should cover Samsung's Lite little brother. Um, so that was uh, a couple days ago now at the time of recording. I think that was two days ago, April 15th, okay. that they revealed it. Uh, it's called the Galaxy Tab S6 Lite. So it is, uh, like I said, kind of a younger brother to the Galaxy Tab S6, which I own and we've done a couple episodes on. So today we're just going to kind of do a little bit of a, a spec peekaboo and, and compare compare uh, the Lite versus the S6 proper and just see uh, see what the difference is, what the hullabaloo is. So do you know um, the size difference? Is it roughly the same size as the Galaxy Tab S6? Yes, it's very close. Okay. Um, it's like a tenth of an inch uh, physically. Yep. So very, very close. Cool. Okay. And then, so what do you? What are the specs? What, what's the processor that you have in yours? And then how does that compare to the Tab S6 Lite? The Tab S6 has a Snapdragon 855, so that's Qualcomm. The S6 Lite... Uh, Samsung decided to go their own way, so they have an Exynos processor, which is a Samsung make, and that's a 9611. Uh, that's not super well known at this point, uh, so I don't know exactly how the chips compare. Sure. Uh, and this is still kind of raw, so we'll see how that develops. Um, the The main things to note here, aside from the chip differences, is that the battery is the same. The capacity is exactly the same, uh, just over 7,000 mAh. Um, you might miss out on a couple things like an extra camera, fast charging. You obviously have a little bit less processing power, so you're not going to get 4K recording. You'll maybe only get 1080p yep. recording. Yep. 
uh, less megapixels on the camera, but it's a tablet. Who's going to take pictures with their tablet? Come on. Right. Yeah. That's, I, I can't imagine you've taken any photos with your tablet. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure zero. Zero. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Here, here's the funny thing, though. Okay. The S6 Lite has a headphone jack. <laughs> and the Tab S6 doesn't, huh? The Tab S6 does not. Fascinating. So the the kind of more budget-oriented device has a headphone jack, and the the uh, kind of more expensive, more powerfully specced device does not. Uh, so if, if the headphone jack is important to you, this is a pretty good device. Uh, it still has a very good screen on it. Uh, it's a good size uh, if you're if you're using it for kind of a mid-level productivity media consumption app or uh, device. So really interesting overall. Yeah, how much cheaper is that again? The S6 Lite starts at uh, it was right around three fifty, I believe. So it competes directly with the iPad Mini and the. Yep. So it's right around there with the cheapest iPad. It's still more expensive than the cheapest iPad, though, because the cheapest iPad is three twenty nine. Again, that's all before sales. Sales will probably make them identical in price, but yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting. Really, it was kind of surprising for me to see this because they just came out with the Tab S six, and uh, for that price point, it was I. I don't know. I guess I just didn't expect Samsung to go there. I thought maybe they were going to. Uh, keep it um, kind of a higher level with their tablets right now, but uh, this one looks promising for just kind of keeping the the Android tablets out there. Right. Yeah, that is that is an interesting approach, but at the same time, I guess it's one that also makes sense because, um, you know, years back now when I um, did uh, sales for Verizon, cheap tablets are very very popular and i um i know for a fact that remains the case today because of the fact that the the ipad the 329 ipad remains to be the highest selling ipad out there um it's easy for anybody out there to know oh yeah i know someone who has that ipad or i know someone who has an ipad and i honestly think that a lot of that comes down to the price of it because of the fact that it's a neat little device if it's cheap enough to the point where it might be considered a toy um it's it's easy to justify whereas an iPad Pro you're not going to see many iPad Pros out there unless for except for those people who really 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 want it and so it really makes sense that Samsung would want to go for this kind of the market because of the fact that the cheaper the tablet the more the easier it is to justify um putting it out there and also what the the 15th that was the day that a lot of people got their uh, coronavirus checks so you know <laughs> So some good news came along. Right, right. And that's the same day that Apple released their Galaxy or their uh, their Galaxy something. Who the hell am I? Um, <laughs> the simulation's gotten absurd. Yeah, man. Uh, the uh, So April 15th is the same day that Apple released the iPhone SE. It's the same day that OnePlus released their new phone. So, yeah, you know. Yeah, it was a big day. Really, if, you, if you're in the in the arena for a tablet, and you like Samsung, and maybe you were considering the Tab S6, but it was too expensive, or maybe you just didn't need a device with that much power, or you know maybe it was overkill, whatever. The Tab S6 Lite would be a pretty good choice if you want to stay in the Android realm, because there's not much else out there for Android tablets. It's basically Samsung. 
they're they're pretty much the only manufacturer in the Android world that's actually putting yep. any respectable amount of effort into making tablets. Yep. <laughs> I think the the next Android tablet that um outside of any Samsung tablet is going to be the foldable Microsoft Surface Duo right. or yeah. Neo um, um whichever one it is. Neo. <laughs> whichever one it is that runs Android. That's going to be the next, I think, really interesting Android tablet. So, and then Microsoft right, yeah. will be in the game. So that'll be fascinating. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So if if you are comparing the Light and the S6, uh, and you still can't really decide, the the main differences are RAM, which you're not going to be able to upgrade. So if you think you need more than four gigabytes, get the Tab S6. Um, you'll get more storage uh, in the Tab S6. But the light version still does support micro SD. Uh, it has a headphone jack. Uh, if you're big on the screen looking the best it can be, if that's your main focus, I mean, you are going to be looking at it for a fair amount of time. Consider the Tab S6 because you get an OLED of a higher resolution. Whereas the Tab S6 Lite has a, a lower resolution LCD. So it's Ooh. not the newer LED technology. You won't get as great of contrast. Uh, it'll still look good, uh, but you're not going to have nearly as great of a looking screen as you would on the the Tab S6 proper. Fascinating. I I wonder whether or not Samsung farmed out the production of that LCD or if they're still using their LCD factory to make that. Um, there was a report recently that Samsung was going to be shutting down their LCD production in the next year or so. And it just makes me wonder whether or not they're using their own factory for that, or if they're really trying to wind down that LCD factory that they aren't even making their own LCD for this tablet. That's fascinating. Yeah, it's, or, you know, it's possible they were just trying to use up some, some inventory. Right. right. <laughs> like, yeah, they found uh, an old stack of LCDs like, oh, we got a thousand of these. We got to turn them into something. <laughs> <laughs> I guess we'll make a new tablet today or whatever. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it was kind of a surprise when I read it. And then um, when I say that I forgot it and mentioned it between episodes, that's not because it wasn't an interesting device. It was just that I already own the S6. So for an S, a Tab S6 Lite to come out, for me, is of less importance. But don't worry, I did remember it and brought it up for us to do <laughs> do a little blurb about it here on the show because it, it definitely is an interesting device. And I like that... Um, Samsung is not giving up on the tablet uh, space by any means, but they're also trying to at least hit kind of different price points and open it up and keep it available, uh, which is nice because I I think there needs to be more availability for Android tablets uh, because of some of the complaints that some people have about app support and, and features and things like that. So yeah. uh, very, very cool, and it was a bit of a surprise but here it is, Tab S6 Lite for your uh, your handling pleasure. You are our Galaxy Tab S6 guy on the Rapidly show Rapidly becoming so. a Tab S6 guy. <laughs> and so I think that the other thing here is that um, we're going to debut um, just a special edition of our album art. And I'll, I'll just make this the uh, show art for uh, this part of the episode right now, which is I had some fun the other day um, messing around with uh, the photo editing app that I have. And I love me some templates. And so I converted 
our active discourse album art into a template. And so I also created an amalgamation tablet. So uh, on the screen now, you will see that there is a tablet version of our album art. And you will notice that it the background is not nearly as pretty yeah, and well, uh, well molded together as it was right and that's just going to be a problem that we're going to run into with the next generation of phones that we buy yeah. so um even yeah. though i still feel bad about the fact that you don't actually have an s10 but that's will eventually be lost to the sands of time yeah and i'll be on the uh <laughs> s22 or 4 you'll be getting some you know. yeah Whatever phone I get next is whatever next phone you get will be on the album art, and I can we'll get it in there. You know, maybe I'll maybe I'll just have some fun and create album art with the the appropriate album art. Anyway. <laughs> maybe maybe I'll have some fun with yeah. that. But anyway, now that the Tab S six Lite is in your field of view, we've got some other topics here. Mainly, uh, we want to talk about uh, the future of our respective mobile platforms. Brett being a iPad OS, iOS, and Mac user. And myself being in the Windows and Android realms, what are, what's our wish list? What's our shopping cart mm-hmm. for these for these OSs? So, Brett, what's uh, what what have you got on your wish list? Yeah, so this year um, is going to be a very interesting year, and obviously, COVID really made this even more obvious how strange of a year this year possibly could be. And um, so what we've already seen from Apple this year is that they're focusing on, it seems like they're focusing in a different area this year. And it's, I think it's really, really freaking exciting Um, with them releasing the, the magic keyboard uh, for the iPad, where your iPad literally floats and it looks like um, a a laptop. It looks, it, it has a trackpad built into it. It has a scissor switch keyboard in it. It has a backlit keyboard built into it. They're making their iPad look a little bit more like a ta- like a laptop, and they're trying to find the middle ground between iPad and laptop. And so what I really, really hope Apple brings to iPad this year, to their platform this year, is Xcode for iPad OS. I've been doing development now for about a year. Um, I'm learning a lot, continuing to learn a lot. I think I'll learn a lot for the rest of my life, obviously. Um, but, you know, last year when Apple released their, their Mac Pro, they said that it's a, they're, they're focusing on their professional customers again, that they're really putting a heavy focus on what their professional customers want. And so they made the Mac Pro and it is directly focused at the video editors, uh, professional segment of um apple users but really the largest percentage of professional users in the apple fan base is developers um web developers use apple products obviously anyone who makes an ios app is an apple user and just just because of how versatile macs are because of the fact that they can work on both Mac and PC and Linux, they can run on all platforms. Apple products are very, very developer focused. And so I'm really, really hopeful that they expand that out to iPad. Um, they already kind of have a little bit of of Xcode on iPad OS with Swift Playgrounds. It's nothing really too fancy. Um, there's a few other apps out, out there that also work on 
um, iPad. Uh, I think uh, Pythonista is probably the most popular Python editor that's available on iPad. And it looks like they have all the infrastructure that they need to bring Xcode to iPadOS. And I hope that they do that this year. That'd be very cool. Yeah. It would be so cool. So, and they have, like, with the Magic Keyboard, they literally have, their their iPad's going to be more like a laptop now than ever. So it just seems like it's it's time. So that's what I hope for this year. What are you looking for this year? I don't have a lot. Uh, and I never intended to be the guy that owns a bunch of Samsung devices. <laughs> Actually, until a few years ago, I was, I wouldn't say I was against Samsung, but, uh, uh, this was before their, uh, graphic design game was stepped up and, and their devices were mostly ugly and looked like band-aids. <laughs> um, the note, the, uh, S five. Yeah. The, yeah. The S five. Yeah. yeah yep, which yep. my brother just got rid of, by the way, I, I got him to get a, I think I got him to get an S 10 E good choice. Um, Great choice. Yep. Uh, so Samsung just has become the develop the, the manufacturer that loads its devices with features, which they've always done, but they're doing it with, a little more taste these days, a little more uh, uh, polish, and uh, the devices also just look way better these days than they used to. the The only th- like the the one thing I kind of really would like to see is as a Windows 10 user is, uh, and Samsung's already kind of working on this is great Windows 10 integration. Um, they already have something called Link to Windows, but it's pretty basic at this point. Um, but I'd like to see there be more cohesion between the two platforms. Like when I move between my Samsung Android tablet or phone onto my Windows 10 desktop, I I want there to be a a flow there that really there isn't at this point. And that's partially a Windows uh, Microsoft thing and partially a Samsung thing, but I know they're already working together a little bit. And with Microsoft releasing an Android device, uh, in the fairly near future, it'd be interesting to see if they open up more of those things or if they have it be kind of a perk of their their Microsoft devices. Or at least their apps. You might want to look into using uh, Office 365, Microsoft 365, which is what it's going to be called now. Um, maybe their, uh, their launcher. Um, I would imagine that is uh, at least likely. I'm not sure. Obviously, I'm not the Android guy, but I'm not sure exactly how much integration outside of those services are going to have. But hopefully, it's more. Just it. It just seems like we're we're getting to the point where it should be. It should be seamless when I move from one device to another. That is honestly one of the biggest things that I love about the Apple ecosystem. Honest to God, it's kind of happened very slowly but surely over the course of the last several years where all the all the apps that i use are multi-platform from mac to ios to ipad os everything is all sunk up in uh office 365 or on OneDrive or whatever and everything that i need to use is available everywhere that i need to use it i can send text messages from my mac i don't even think twice about it. All I know is that I need to send a text or I need to call someone and all I have to do is find the app and start doing it. 
um it's an amazing feature and as soon as it becomes like second nature like i it doesn't matter the fact that i'm on my computer i know for a fact i can just make a call right now i don't need to think twice about it i just do it and make a call after that's ingrained into your brain you realize how amazing it is so i i look forward to you getting there um how much of that can you do right now by the way how much can uh how much of that is second nature already it's i don't know not a lot i guess so if you wanted to make a call you pick up your phone yeah samsung's devices do have a higher probably a higher level of of uh integration than i utilize uh they do have something called samsung flow and so you can use your your tab s6 to make calls if you have uh a galaxy phone and such i i think you you might need to uh well, for calls, I think I could actually do it. I just don't really have a reason to. For things like messaging, I think I would have to use Samsung's messaging app, which actually is is decent. And the reason why I don't use it is mainly aesthetic. Mm, okay. So, I don't know. It's it's. I think some of the things are there. It's just not quite there. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like the things are in place. They're just not at a point where where they entice me enough to use them or, or the, it's kind of a bunch of separate things that I would have to put together in order to get the whole package. <laughs> yeah, that's tough. I, how, to, how to get those small little bugs out of the way is. Um, the second thing that I am really, really, really hoping that we get some major progress on this year. This is going to be a much longer term thing, but I, I have to see something moving in this direction this year and it's a better, a faster, a smarter Siri. Um, Siri has to show signs of improvement this year. Um, I would really love just getting into the nitty gritty. I would really love to have some functionality to be served locally. Currently, each request that I make is processed in the cloud. If I just say, hey, call X or send a message to X, that should be served locally. Siri should be able to hear me and say, oh, yeah, I know what send a message to x means i don't need to go to apple servers and say this is what this person said please god help me figure out what they said oh that's what they said okay great i'll do it <laughs> and and that's you know taking into account since you had the uh the home pod yes that's taking into account that the right device knows what you're talking to and hears you correctly <laughs> right my <laughs> My Siri problems have mostly gone away since getting rid of the HomePod, but yes, absolutely. It would also speed up Siri as well. So one thing I'll tell you about is that I have my garage door set up with a a dumb smart home connection. And I say dumb because all it is is a little box that connects to my garage door opener that opens and closes the door. And it's very, very particular with... um, where my internet connection is like i literally placed my wi-fi box in a place that works best with my garage door opener so it's a a stupid finicky box but i actually do really like having the garage door um, opener on this thing because i have automation now set up because for some stupid reason my wife and i are just bad at closing the door manually and so i have an automation that says at 9 p.m if the door is open close it but anyway If I tell Siri to close my garage door and I'm too far away from my house 
to not be on Wi uh, not be on good Wi Fi, but also not be on four G yet. Um, Siri freaks the hell out, and that's because it's trying to send up signal to Apple to say, "Hey, what did this person say?" And it doesn't have a good internet connection, but it's trying to do it on Wi Fi, but it's too far away, so it can't do it. And they're like, "Oh, I'm I, I'm going to go to four G now," but like, "Oh no, I lost the request. It's all gone. I don't know what to do anymore." And uh, I, I should send it via. 4g but i can't anymore uh what'd you say again um it's just so frustrating man it'd just be great to say handle this locally and then all right you want me to close the garage door i'll close the garage door and when i get a connection to the internet again circulating circulating circling oh hey close the garage door do it <sighs> my life would be so much better if that happened oh, yeah. <laughs> and that's that's something google's been really pursuing uh in the last few years their uh their cloud stuff is getting kind of increasingly handled locally. So they already do a, a pretty good job of it in terms of processing especially simple requests like what you're talking about. It's you know, it's pretty much handled locally. There's hardly any delay when I say send a text message to blah. Yeah. And when I have good internet so, connection, it can be quick. Like it, it yeah. certainly can be, but I don't know. Um I didn't mean to go on too much of a rant there, but it really Siri pisses me off. It's all voice assistants piss me off. Right. Every single one of them. Cause they have so much potential to be better. Yeah. But yeah. And, and we're finding out that conversations are not that easy to program. Oh yeah. I can't imagine and how to, program we're not even stuff. close to artificial intelligence no. yet. You people don't even know what artificial intelligence is right. yet. Yep. Like I, I see in, in OneNote, you've got some stuff about chaining requests with Siri and like, oh man, it's so frustrating because mm-hmm. you you try to, you try to talk to a, a voice assistant, you'll say one thing and then like, or halfway through, you try to correct yourself and there's no way it's going to understand what you're talking about. You're never going to be able to follow up. Yeah. Let's dig into that right now. So, um, this is the most wish casty request that I have for this year, but um, I would really, really love to be able to chain a request to Siri. So what does that mean? Hopefully, I want to get to a point where we can trigger our smart assistants and say, turn off the lights in the bedroom and in the office. It's as simple as that. Turn off the bedroom lights and the office lights. That means that if I have a living room, it means don't turn off the lights in the living room. Don't turn off the lights in the kitchen. Only turn off the lights in the bedroom and in the office because I said the keyword and that would be amazing. And honestly, like it, it evolves. It it has so much room for evolution, which is probably why we don't have it and why it's going to take forever to get it. But it'd be great to be able to then do the inverse, which is to say, turn off all the lights except the office. Yeah. Now you have this complex phrase, like what does except mean? we it'd be great to get there it'd be so cool to get there but yeah or imagine yeah. like in the in the midwest we like to say things like why don't you do this you know we do that weird like negative question thing imagine if your voice assistant could just handle that like why don't you turn off the lights in the office for me please yeah that'd be so you cool. know like that's such a weird midwestism yeah that would be so and, cool and for a voice assistant to be able to handle that and turn off the lights in the bedroom that'd be cool and and right now I'm I guarantee that that question's going to send that voice assistant on an existential <laughs> tear. Like why wait, why don't I turn off the lights in the bedroom? What? <laughs> existential tear, I love it. 
So one one last thing for Siri. Um, hopefully this year it'd be great if we could get this at some point, which would be something called I call Siri handoff. And I'm looking around to make sure I don't trigger Siri. Great, I didn't. Um, so Siri handoff. So uh, Apple already has a feature called handoff um, on their platform, which means that if I'm using Safari on my iPhone, I can then open it up on my on my Mac and say, oh, hey, look at that. I'm using safari on my iphone i want to just hand that right on off to my mac and continue viewing the page on my mac um so obviously when i had the home pod i had a lot of problems where uh the smart assistant would trigger on the home pod and it would say i can't show you that google result because i don't have a screen like well then show me the google result on a product that i have that has a screen i have several devices that have screens you have access to every single one of them send the google result to that device to any device i don't care what to device. all of them all of them <laughs> scorched it's, earth it's better than the home pod constantly saying i can't help you with that because i don't have a screen like i wasn't talking to you <laughs> <laughs> i just want siri to be smart enough to know i'm not talking to it sometimes well, take solace in the <laughs> fact that it's not just Siri. It's all voice assistants. They all suck right now. They're they're decent at, at simple tasks, but once you get beyond that, the illusion wears off. And you see how simple they really are. But we got to get to a point where we can see them really making a turn because right now they're doing a pretty good job at all the basic stuff. But it'd be great to get to a point where it seems like we can envision a future. And this is my wild idea for Siri. Ideally, before I die, when I'm 110. Um, (laughs) I hope that Siri gets to a point where we can literally trigger it, say, look through my inbox, my email inbox, and triage it, and find emails that I don't need to respond to. I want to be able to say read me through this inbox and then it tells me this email that i got and say i don't want to respond to that siri can you just respond to that for me we can get there at some point yeah i mean we already have some form of auto replies right now but uh, right they all require some level of interaction right they all are kind of disconnected and it seems like this is something that can exist at some point but right now it does not look like we're anywhere close to that with siri but if we can get any of these things, possibly Siri handoff or maybe something with locally or whatever, chain requests, if we can get anything like that anytime soon, I just want to see something this year. Something to say there's a sign of life that they recognize that this needs to improve. Because over the last several years, it seems like Apple's been mostly okay with Siri's is what it is. It does what it does. So ideally, they show some sign of life for them. That is my rant for Siri. That is a probably that might be the only rant I go on tonight, but I don't know. <laughs> but it will not be the last against voice assistance on this show because it was not the first. <laughs> we can have a subline of the show. We rant about smart assistance. <laughs> anyway, yeah, smart is going to be in quotes. Yeah. What else are you looking forward to this year? Uh, so there, there's a feature on uh, on SwiftKey uh, that SwiftKey I, I probably still has it, um, but it had years ago. It's called Flow Through Space, which, by the way, SwiftKey is an Android uh, keyboard app. 
uh, it was called flow through space and it's, it's a feature kind of on top of swipe typing where you don't even have to pick up your finger to move between words. So you swipe a word and then swipe over space and then keep going over other words and then go back over space. So every time you want a space and go to a new word, you just swipe over space. So I could do entire sentences or paragraphs without ever lifting a finger. Wow. And it was, it's so, so good. And I, I, I stopped using Swift key a few years ago, I think, and, and I'm on Google's keyboard now and I miss that feature dearly. And I'm thinking even right now, like this has been just in the last couple of days, I've been kind of thinking about this feature again and wondering like, man, maybe I should install Swift key again and, and, and check it out, see if that feature is still there. But I've, I've been seeing so much about how SwiftKey is kind of degraded in, in the past couple of years. And I, I'm pretty sure Microsoft actually owns it at this point. But, but they, uh, they haven't done much with it, uh, which is a little disappointing given this feature. <laughs> uh, and it's, it hasn't been stolen by anyone. I wonder if it's just really hard to do. Maybe, but it worked so well back then. I'm so surprised that it hasn't been jacked by every other keyboard on the market because pretty much everyone has swipe typing now. Even the iPhones, uh, I think that was even a couple generations ago. It was just last year, actually. It's fan- it's fantastic. Yep. Yeah, and it's it's been great for years on Android. So swipe typing obviously is here to stay. It's on all the platforms basically, and flow through space was like this extraordinary evolution on top of it, where I could just keep on going and stop for nothing. So good, but like such a simple kind of idea. You should find out whether or not it's still there. You might give it a shot and report back with our uh, next episode that uh, we're going to do in May because we're going to talk probably a little bit more about that in May, honestly. So that might not be a bad uh, follow-up to do. We'll we'll see if that feature's still around and if it works as well as I remember, or if maybe it's rose-colored goggles. <laughs> we'll find out. <laughs> yeah, give it a shot. Maybe uh, ideally, it's it's still there and you can still use it. And let us know if you can still go on a tear. Flows through space. Interesting name. It's also just a great name for. This is a very interesting name. So I don't really have anything else to rant on about uh, for Apple this year, but I do have a few small extras that I want to call out. Two small extras that I want to call out. Um, I would really love a redesign for Apple Music. Um, you and I, I think, very briefly before touched on how we actually really loved the Zune software a couple of years back because they placed such a huge emphasis on album art. And it was such a beautiful... Uh, the web, the the Windows player itself was a, just such a beautiful uh, player. And it really, yeah, I'm kind of bummed I never had a Zune. In front of the show, Jeremy, he had a Zune call out to Jeremy that uh, both him and I nerded out about uh, the Zune software back in the heyday of 2009. But anyway, um, Apple Music is, honest to God, pretty bland. It's super one-dimensional. It's it's black and white, maybe a little bit of pink here and there. Um, al- the algorithmic pra- playlists aren't really that smart. Um, their new Get Up playlist is actually pretty good, but um, otherwise, like, they're their algorithmic stuff is kind of kind of bs so it'd be nice if they did a total overhaul for apple music made it look like a pretty music player and uh, an enjoyable music player to use because i use it because i like music but it's 
it's fine it's nothing special though and then i would really really love some expanded home kit functionality what exactly that means is uh pretty up for interpretation but it'd be great to be able to do a lot more automations um one of the rumors that i saw that kind of inspired this is that apple might be doing the night shift feature um with colored lights if you have them so basically say turn on night shift and so in the morning your lights would be a lighter blue color and in the evening your lights would be an orange color and i think that'd be really cool if they did that because my house is ready yeah healthy for your circadian rhythms i already kind of do that now like i've set up specific scenes for night and day mode and whatnot and um, I've kind of already done that, but um, it'd be kind of cool to see how it would work algorithmically. So, yeah. Yeah. So that's all I got for the rest of this year. To, I think 2020 and uh, um, WWDC will be an interesting year. So what else do you got for the rest of this year? I can ride along with your music topic. Uh, the There's some similar things happening in the Android world, <laughs> as you're well aware at this point, because I've been somewhat vocal about it. Google is pulling a Google and has an app competing with another one of their apps. Um, well, a service that is competing with another service of theirs. So YouTube music is in the process of replacing Google play music. It's a very, very long process, but they're still missing several things. Like uh, they, I think they need to reach full feature parity with Google play music very soon. Uh, it's, it's, becoming too long of a process at this point so that means that they need to split the there's currently this weird thing where like youtube music and watching youtube videos kind of meld together and so like your history and your likes get clogged up with one another and like the music you like and the videos that you watch just ends up in this weird thing where, but they're actually separate and they need to be treated that way. And it, it's just kind of weird that they've, they've tried to merge them the way that they did or that they didn't do enough work to split them because they are different things. The other major one is being able to transfer over your personal music library, all the music that you've uploaded that isn't on the service. Uh, so uh, I, think, uh, I think Apple has this with, uh, I think they call it Music Locker. Yeah, I think they now call it iTunes Match. I Is believe. it still that? I thought that was the old name. They might actually still call know. it iTunes Match, honestly. Um, I okay. can imagine it is not a service that is heavily used. Yeah. Uh, Spotify has something for it. Basically, you make a playlist and you have to put all the songs into that playlist. Um, but I've I've not heard good things about it. Uh, Google Play Musics is really, really good. You, you can upload your entire local library to the Google Play Music service and then listen to them from anywhere. Uh, so all of my personal music is in Google Play Music, and they really need to get that feature in there, which I think I saw some recent news about that they were finally starting to work on it. Um, aside from maybe some... Uh, uh, things in YouTube music, maybe some smaller things that are missing. That's probably the main thing that's keeping me from, from pulling the trigger on switching. Uh, the, cause the interface does look pretty good. Uh, I'm, I'm not, a, I don't hate Google play music's interface. I think it does still need to be updated. Um, but YouTube music 
looks fine. So if, if they get these kind of last few features and annoyances taken care of, then I'll, I'll be happy switching, but I'm, they're going to have to pry Google play music from my cold dead fingers. If they don't get these features in there, has there really been any noticeable update to YouTube music over the course of the last year, year and a half, two years? Like, no, I haven't had, I haven't had the app installed for quite some time now. And I won't reinstall it until they fix what's missing. Fascinating. Okay. I think that we should have like a honest to God, like a whole episode in the summer dedicated to YouTube music. Um, give the, give Google a shot to give an update for some of their platforms over the course of the next several months. And then I think that we should reevaluate and give I, uh, YouTube music its full time. Because I think that if I just poke enough, you are going to go on a rampage about YouTube music. <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I think uh, let's let's give them the benefit of the doubt, you know, that Google I.O. was going to happen. It's not going to happen anymore. But, you know, theoretically, they still have products in their uh, in their bag to release. And so let's see if they have anything to release before middle of summer. And then maybe we'll talk about it again. Yeah. Uh, in in the quiet time between July and uh, iPhone season in September. So, uh-huh. yeah. So you'll just let those threads fray a little bit more and then we'll come back when they unravel. Yeah. So real quick, I sent you a screenshot, by the way. I looked up iTunes match on Google and I found a support page that... Um, uh, is on apple.com right now from I, for about iTunes match. It's still called iTunes match. And if you look on that screenshot, what you'll see there is a MacBook Air. It looks like it's, eh, who knows whether or not it's the 2019 or the 2020 model, but it's a, it's a recent MacBook Air on there. And what you'll also see on there is that that screenshot is indeed a Catalina screenshot because that screenshot is the Apple music app on an i on a macbook air which is not itunes which is not itunes but here's the thing the screenshot contains a screenshot within it um so the screenshot (laughs) that i sent you contains a macbook air with a screenshot of the uh, apple music on there but then if you go further into that screenshot on the macbook air you will see that there is another macbook on there it looks like it's a 2012 ish era macbook pro and then that has some album art on there and that has itunes on it that has a screen so that macbook air from 2019 has a screenshot of apple music on there which in and of itself has a screenshot of a macbook pro on there which has itunes on it it has the old style uh what is it the the skeuomorphic design itunes on there so this is an amazing website that i found that iTunes i feel like match- we just went to hell and back oh my god i'm opening up i'm opening <laughs> up the apple music app right now and i'm gonna try to get me to itunes match oh god how do i do this this is so great ah i did it i did it i did it i got that exact same screenshot on my apple music app and that wow good effort that macbook pro is not the 2012 era macbook pro that i thought it was it is the um previous generation even from there it's the 2010 model macbook pro on there so it's not even the previous generation macbook pro it's the previous previous 
generation MacBook wow. Pro. Yeah, so that's like 10 plus years old. What point. is this web page? <laughs> yeah, this, that's why I didn't believe that it was called iTunes Match because I think it, it's still kind of a holdover from from that era of Apple. I thought they would have updated the branding. So you will see the screenshot that I am so excited that I was able to get. All right, so in this screenshot here, you will see my my screen as I talk to you right now, Bo, which is uh, a copy of today's newspaper in Apple News, April 17th, 2020. We have the Discord session, my audio recording session, the moment in which I took the screenshot. And then on the right-hand side there, you see my Apple Music app open with iTunes, with the iTunes Match web page open in apple music saying if i want to subscribe for 25 dollars a year anyway fantastic detective work i ranted i had fun (laughs) all right i'm putting that in the show notes i'm putting that in the discord so that you can at least see it just so that since i did all that effort you might as well have some something to show for it (laughs) because until now i had nothing (laughs) (laughs) so we just went down some kind of rabbit hole or gopher hole or something on Apple Music and iTunes Match. You have one more extra on your list. What? I want you to tell me about this. This one's pretty small, but okay. uh, it's a throwback to earlier days of, of phones. Okay. Um, it's a material, a magic material, if you will. A magic called material? Called rubberized plastic. So it's just, it's like soft touch, you know? Floralastomer, um, as Apple would call it. Okay. <laughs> uh, so it's, it's just like a soft touch plastic. Um, it's still used on some things. Uh, I guarantee I have something around me that's soft touch plastic. But, um, well, my computer kind of has a little bit of that. My Dell laptop has a little we bit. We don't really have many plastic phones anymore, honestly. Yeah, there's, there's like zero plastic phones. And for some reason, it's become this cheap thing that no one wants to use. Plastic is actually kind of a miracle material, to be honest. Like, it's not good when it's like a plastic bag and you can't recycle it and it ends up in a landfill. But True. it's a great material for things like phones because it's durable, flexible. Uh, it still works with wireless charging. Uh, it's it's great for phones. Um, and I I say this because I had a Droid Incredible Two was was uh, my first Android phone. I was fresh off the BlackBerry train and got myself a Droid Incredible 2 from HTC of of all brands. Um, good brand? The, the once and future king. <laughs> and <laughs> The future king. That's, that's going to be a stretch, but okay. <laughs> it's an expression. Okay. Um, and so nowadays, all phones pretty much are, are glass. They're glass slabs or glass sandwiches. The front is glass. The back is glass. Everything in between is glass. <laughs> um, and they look good. They're shiny and glossy, and they catch the eye and everything. But they're not very durable. And on the other hand, we have stuff like metal, which aluminum is great, like a metal frame uh, is still on a lot of phones, just kind of the back and, and front that are glass, but the frame is usually aluminum or something like that. Yeah. Um, but then, like, the 
older phones like um, a couple of generations ago even uh, the iPhones had uh, aluminum backs uh, HTC kind of kicked that off with the one but they don't work with wireless charging because the metal interferes with the the current so that leaves us with glass metal or plastic essentially mm-hmm. aside from some other you know kind of uh, niche materials like uh, ceramic, I think, has been thrown around here and there. And plastic just has gotten kind of a bad rap when it comes to phones. Like, it, it would be a great material. It, it was once, and I think it could be again. So that soft-touch kind of plastic was just, like, really nice to hold in the hand. You know, and I, I felt like even back then, like, I, I probably didn't even need a case. I think I didn't have one on my Incredible 2. Um, just because the back material was so... It was flexible, it was durable, it looked good, it was like a matte finish. Uh, so I, I, just, I, you know, harken back to the, the days of old. Yeah. By the way, the Pixel 3a has a plastic back as well. I'm curious to see where the Pixel 4a goes, whether or not they still use the plastic or if they use a glass back. But what's fascinating about even though the 3a um, was plastic, they didn't have a wireless charger on it. And that was actually... Um, kind of a, a that that sucked um i actually really like the pixel 3a because the plastic didn't actually feel like plastic it it felt it felt actually good like when i picked it up the first time it felt light it felt extremely light and what surprised me was that the plastic actually did feel really hard and durable and it mm-hmm. actually tricked me into thinking that it was um it was glass i thought it was initially glass after using it for a little while you you notice that it isn't but um really well done so plastic really well done has a lot of um a lot of use and i think that what would also be interesting is if they if a company decided to possibly take like a um an environmental approach to plastic as well by saying this phone's plastic body is exclusively made out of recycled plastic bags or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that, that could would, work. I think that that would be a really cool story to tell in, in addition to using it in a, in such a way. There's definitely tasteful ways that plastic can be used and it's, it's criminally kind of underused on phones these days. I, I would love to see what could be done with like a metal frame with uh, some kind of plastic back. I mean, there just has to be something there. So that that's our wish lists. And uh, before we finish out the episode, we've got some picks left to do. Yes, sir. As we close out every episode. So uh, my pick this week, uh, this month, I don't know which cadence we're on right now. Um, um, I, I really like picking shows that I listen to. And so I'm going to pick um, another a show that I listen to constantly, which is Upgrade, um, and specifically episode 293. So we're going through some crazy times with uh, the coronavirus, um, and uh, so crazy that uh, Apple and Google have teamed up together to help track the spread of COVID-19. And that is an extremely complicated topic. I honest to God think that this this topic requires someone to sit you down and talk you through what in the world is actually going on with this. And it's, um, so it's extremely complicated. It has the potential to be scary or not because it's literally tracking people and it's the two biggest, uh, platform manufacturers that are teaming up together to track people. So that has the capability to be scary 
or it has the capability to not be scary. And I think that, um, so Upgrade did an absolutely amazing job with this. And Mike and Jason are extremely smart. They're extremely level-headed. And, um, you know, they're Apple, they're Apple hosts, they're Apple users, but they're not, they're not overly biased towards Apple. They criticize Apple in all the correct ways that I, I feel like they should and, um, you know, vice versa. So I believe that episode 293 of Upgrade is absolutely one to check out exclusively for the fact that they dig deep into how to understand how Apple and Google are going to work together to help track people with coronavirus in 2020 with with the intent of knowing how covid spreads and where it's going and things like that right and you know they they really dig in god they just dig into every single part about it and i feel better about this concept after having listened to them uh talk about it honestly because they they address it right on the nose that this has the possibility to be scary and honest to god like it probably would be scarier if the government was doing it instead of private companies, because at least private companies you can regulate and you can tear them down. Whereas if you got in like a, an alert on your phone from the U S government saying we're tracking you now and there's nothing you can do about it. Um, like that's actually more horrifying <laughs> yeah. if the government does it than a private <laughs> yeah. company, because a private company does it. You don't buy that product anymore, but if a government does it, you're living under that that regime and moving to canada <laughs> <laughs> yeah so it's they they address this topic head on and i think they did an amazing job with it episode 293 of upgrade check it out oh very good so what do you got my pick for today is it's a throwback to hbo from like the 80s and 90s mm, interesting it's uh a behind the scenes for the making of HBO's feature presentation intro. So they'd put this before a movie that was playing or before a sports event or something. And um, this was back before animation was a thing, really, like computer animation. Okay. And so a lot of it, like the whole thing was like done by hand. So they built a model that was like ultra detailed of a city and then suburbs and then like country. So they had like three different levels of this model. And like they built this super detailed model that had like plants on fire escapes and dirtied up buildings to look kind of realistic. And they had um, a smoke that they physically sprayed like smoke over it. to So when you fly, they have the camera going through this city that it would look kind of realistic. And it took months, like at least three months, I think it said, uh, in this behind the scenes and it kind of shows them putting some of it together to to build this thing and then they go off into uh, uh, some animation stuff that they did uh, again not computer animated just kind of tricks of physical items uh, to do an HBO logo and then once you get towards the end of this like 30 second clip it, it starts off with this awesome HBO music that I still remember from my childhood. So it's cool. like, like, I love this HBO music. It sounds like it could be in the Avengers and no one nice. would bat an eye. Nice. It's so awesome. It's like a 10 minute clip and it, it goes through how they made this. And it's fascinating. Some of the tricks they had to use to, to get some of their, their quote unquote animations to look the way they did. And, and the things they did to, to create some of them without computers. 
So super cool. And, and, uh, it's, man, I, I, like I've listened to that song now, like the HBO intro, like sometimes I'll just put it on, just get to the blood pumping, you know, <laughs> it's so good. Nice. I'll have it in the show notes. That's awesome. Yeah. If, if, uh, anyone's interested in, um, the, uh, kind of the old school way of animating or anything like that, this was, uh, one video that I came across or, or kind of a picture. I had also seen some older ones for older production companies. So I know that you can find more of those on the internet. So if you're interested in TV graphics and the evolution of that, uh, broadcast, uh, graphics, there's a bunch of stuff out there and, and this was just one of them, but, uh, HBO kind of that music had the particular nostalgic twinge for me. So very, very interesting to watch. Okay, I think that'll do it for today. Unless we have another episode to record right after this. <laughs> nothing, nothing more to talk about today, I don't think. <laughs> um, so, uh, thank you for listening to Active Discourse. And fun fact, by the way, Bo and I have now been podcasting for about a year now. And so, uh, even though our first uh, published episode was in July of 2019, we ran a few practice episodes uh, around this time last year. They're unpublished right now, but they they exist. And uh, yeah, so this has been about a year now that we've been doing this. And uh, we'll always be interested in hearing f- feedback. You know, we're, uh, we're growing and we're learning and we, uh, we're having fun with us. So we... We want to do the best we possibly can. So let us know any feedback you have, any questions, comments, concerns, uh, whatever you want to share with us. Feel free to email us at activediscourse at iCloud.com or send us a tweet at activediscourse. Um, and there's one last thing to share with you right now, Bo, which is... Are, are you pulling a Steve Jobs? Uh, tease. Yes, one more thing. Hey, that is great. That is appropriate too. <laughs> so... Uh, last last time we spoke we uh briefly talked about the magic keyboard for the ipad pro and um at the time um it wasn't available for purchase there weren't any reviews that have been published there still aren't any reviews that are published but it's a fascinating thing it uh it existed somewhere in california in a video studio um well now it's available for purchase and i decided to splurge so um <laughs> the next time that we speak it will exist in my house so we'll uh, talk to you again soon and have a lot more to share about keyboards so. awesome thanks for listening and talk to you in may stay safe see you next time bye